Pasuk. On the Pasuk, and let's take a look at the Pasuk. It's Memtes, chapter 49, Gimel and Dalit, 3 and 4. So the Pasukim read, Bayikra, I'm sorry, Ruuvein Bechairi Atam, Ruuvein, you are my firstborn. Kaichi Vereshis Aini, you are my strength and the beginning of my manhood. Yeser Seis Vyeser Oz, superior in rank and superior in power. And then Yaakov Avinu, when he gathers his children around him, right before he passes, he continues to say about Ruuvein, Pachas Kamayim. You acted unstable as water, and therefore, al you shall no longer be superior. Ki alisa avicha, for you have gone up upon your father's bed. Az hilalta yitzui Allah. You profaned my couch by going up. These are the words of the Pasuk. Rashi, on the words, Yeser se'es v'yeser oz. So first on Yeser se'es, Ra'oi hayisa liyais yaser alachecha. It was right, it, you were deserving of being superior to your brothers, Bikahuna with the priesthood, l'shay nesiyos kapayim, and se'es is etymologically rooted in or connected to the word nisius to lift up the hands, as Kaihanim do when they bench B'nai Yisrael. V'yeser az, and you would have been deserving to be superior to your brothers in regard to malchus sovereignty. K'may v'yitin oiz l'malkai. And again, the word az is related to the word oiz you will give power to the king. Umi garam And what caused you to lose all of these superior advantages or characteristics that you might have had? So Rashi continues, Pachas Kamayim. Hapachas Bahabahola, the impetuousness and the instability. Asher miharta lahares kaascha. When you hurry to show your anger, kamayim halolo hamemaharim limerutsasam just like waters that rush in their flow. Lakach, therefore, altaisar, altar belitel, you shall no longer receive kol hayeseres halolo shahayer oislach, these privileges that were rightfully yours. And where did your instability manifest itself? For you have gone up upon your father's bed, you profaned. Him who hovered over my bed. The name of the Shekinah that regularly hovered above my head. Okay. So now let's look at the second paragraph in the Sikha. The Rebbe says, 
And in Targum Onklos, Nispari Shapasuk, the Targum explains this Pasuk, have a Chazi Lemesav Tlasacholkin. You should have received three portions, Bechirusa, Kahonusa, Omachosa, the Bechora being firstborn, priesthood, and sovereignty. Should have received all three. But they were not given to him. And this is also written and explained in the Tanchuma and Bereshis Rabba. Okay. So, so far the Rebbe explained how Rashi explains these Sukkim, what's going on here regarding Ruben, and the commentary of Targum. We have to understand. The Pasuk itself begins by talking about Ruben Bechari Atta. It begins with underscoring that Ruben is the Bechar. So why would Rashi then choose to explain this passage by saying that al you will not be privy to the additional um, advantages and, and superior um, characteristics and that this is relevant regarding the kahuna and malchus. And Rashi does not um, include, like the Targum does, that this also means that the Bechara will be taken away from Reuven. On the contrary, it would seem that Bechari Atta, Yaakov begins by underscoring that Reuven is his firstborn. And it's because he's his firstborn, who had Tam Lamachos. And it's precisely because he's a firstborn that he should receive the kahuna and the malchus. So if you're taking away the kahuna and the malchus, why wouldn't you take away the factor that undergirds them, which is the bechayra? The ein loimar, and, and the Rebbe says, and we can't answer that question by saying, Sharashi savar shal mikra That Rashi believes, according to pshutu mikra, that the Bechayr was not taken away from Reuven. Why can't we say that? Because there is a complete and very obvious verse in Divrei Hayamim, in the Book of Chronicles, that says, it says it very, very clearly in Divri Yamim that originally Reuben was the Bechor. But when he profaned the couch of his father, his Bechaira, his privilege as the firstborn, was given over to Yasef. So we can't say that Rashi believes that Reuben never lost his Bechaira. Yesera Mizu, and even more so, Le'il Besamuch. So now take a look at Memches. Chav 
So, Memches Chavbeis, the Pasuk reads, V'ani nasati l'cha shechem echad alachecha. Yaakov says to Yosef, I have given you one shear more than your brothers. Look at Rashi. Now you have to look at Rashi, not under the words Shechem Achad, but under the words Becharbi Uvakashti. And in the middle of Rashi's commentary on the words Becharbi Uvakashti, after the words Davar Acher, another explanation, Rashi says, Shechem Achad, Uha Becheira. The words Shechem Achad, one more shear refers to the birthright. Sheyitlu banav shnei chalakim, that Yosef's children will receive two shears. So, not only is it a pasuk in Divrei Hayamim that Ruben lost his bechera, but Rashi told us right now, a few psukim ago, that Ruben lost his bechera went to Yosef. And then even above that, and previously before that, in Parshas Vayishlach, so look at Perak Lamed He Chav Gimel. So see at Lamed He Chav Gimel. The Pasuk reads, B'nei Leah Bechar Yaakov Ruven, B'Shimon V'Levi B'Yehuda V'Yisachar Zvulon. And Rashi says, Bechar Yaakov. Ruven is Bechar L'Nachala, the firstborn in regard to inheritance. Bechar La'avoida, the firstborn in regard to divine service. Bechar L'Minyan, and the firstborn in regard to enumeration into when you count the shvatim, how they are counted, how they are enumerated. The right of the firstborn was given to Yosef only in regard to tribes, that he became two tribes. So the Rebbe says, going back into the Sechad, this means, that being firstborn vis-a-vis the other shvatim, nitla mir'uvein, ba'vor ba'yishkav, it's because the Pesach said he slept with his father's wife, which Rashi explains means that he moved his father's primary bed from one tent to the other, from the concubine of Rachel's tent to his mother's tent, v'nitla Yosef, and therefore he lost the b'chayr, and was given to Yosef. So let's remind ourselves. So what's the Rebbe's question in Sif Aleph? Why does Rashi say that our Pasuk that we're looking at, Gimel and Dalit, that when it says, and Rashi tells us that this means that he lost his superiority to his brothers in terms of priesthood and monarchy, why doesn't Rashi say that this also means he lost his superiority as the Bechar? Especially in light of the fact that it says so explicitly in Divrei Hayamim, and Rashi himself makes reference to this, not once but twice. Beis. L'chayra haya 
we might be able to explain this. It would seem that we should be able to explain this by saying, based midiuk loshen akasov al toisar biyachas l'kol elosh hifted uvein muchach, we might be able to do this by parsing the text and saying that if you look at the terminology, the word al toisar, you will not have these extra privileges comes in conjunction with yeser se'es v'yeser az. It doesn't come in conjunction with b'ni b'chayri. And from this we prove she'kavonis ha'kasuv l'mayit rak es ha'ma'alois she'ligabehen amur ha'loshan yeseres halalu. Yeser se'es v'yeser az. Kahuna u'malchus. We look at the pasuk, we look at the terminology, and the Rebbe says we might be able to explain that the word al toisar, you will not have these extra things, only applies to where the word yeser, superior, extra, is in the pasuk. And over there, the word yeser is applied to se'es, which Rashi says is kahuna, and uz, which Rashi says is monarchy, and not regarding the Bechaira. Masha'enke malas Bechaira, but when you look at the Pasuk, you see that the word yeser is appended to se'es and uz, but in contradistinction, it's not near the word Bechaira. Shalai niskar esla lashen yeser, eina nichleles bemiyot al teisar. And therefore, Rashi says, he opines that it's not included in this clause that you will not earn these extra distinctions. Amnam, however, Rabbi says, doing this only allows us a proof based on the specific terminology of the Pasuk. It's based on the construct of this verse. But it doesn't explain the concept, which is what is different about the Bechaira from the Kahuna and Malchus that Reuven should lose Kahuna, he should lose Malchus, but he shouldn't lose the Bechaira. Why is it why doesn't Rashi embrace this fact that he spoke of in earlier Rashis? That Reuven did lose the Bechaira, at least in a certain respect he did. He lost it to Yosef. And yet Rashi does not embrace this. I saw um, a message flit across the chat. He's asking, why doesn't Rashi? Oh, is it Henya Rivka, not Rivka Henya? Is yes, that Henya Rivka? Okay, thank you. I'm sorry about that. Okay, for Shlema for Henya Rivka Bas Bracha Devarleya. Why doesn't Rashi include the Kahuna Melucha in the Rashi and Parshas by Yishlach? Does I've explained this? I didn't see that the Rebbe should explain it here, but the honest truth is. I didn't look in all the footnotes. Maybe the Rebbe does explain it in a footnote. I'm going to have to look. But um, 
let's go back to that Rashi and let's see what the context is a little bit further. Um, It just seems from that Rashi that we read in Vayishlach, right, mm -hmm. that it's Rashi's only addressing a very small portion of what happened. Lamed Heich of Gimel. I have to think about it more. Um, at first blush, it seems that Rashi, yeah, could have or should have also included, but maybe we could say it wouldn't have been Pshut Shalmikra there because we don't have the reference to yes, sir, us, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, us there. You see that, um, Razi? Yeah. In other words, yeah, but this is the this is like the cause of right it's the same cause here for whatever he lost yeah this is this is the source you're right but it only says Bihar Yaakov and there's no other reference to other aspects uh -huh. okay so maybe that's why Rashi doesn't address it because there's okay. there's no there's no reference in the in the Pshutosh Mikra at, at, see, at, at first blush Okay, so the Rebbe says we can't embrace this explanation that because the word yeser is not appended to Bechor, that's why Rashi doesn't say that Reuven lost his Bechor here. Because that just is based on this verse, but it doesn't explain the Etzim Inyan. The Etzim Inyan is if Reuven lost Bechor, why doesn't Rashi speak about it here? Gimel. Lahalon. So before the Rebbe goes to answer these questions, the Rebbe now takes us to further psukim in this cluster. So now we're going to memtes in our chapter, tes, nine. So Yaakov says to Yehuda, Gur Arye Yehuda. Yehuda is like a young lion, or you're going to see that Rashi separates the words gore and Aryeh in a moment. But first, let's finish. Miteref b'ni Alisa, you have risen above plunder, my son. Kara rabatz he crouches, rests like a lion. Uchalavi mik menu, like an awesome lion, who will rouse him? Now, let's look at Rashi's test. Gore Aryeh. Al David Nisnabe, it is about David that Yaakov prophesies, but Gor, at first he would be like a young lion, a cub, when Shaul was king over us, it was still David who was one that led Israel and brought them back, and at the end he would be like a mature lion, when they made him king over themselves. Let's look at Miteref. 
plunder, above plunder. What does Yaakov mean with this? From that which I suspected you, concerning Yosef has been torn to pieces. A wild beast has devoured him. And when these words were said, he was referring to Yehudu as compared to a lion. So I suspected you, but you have risen. You removed yourself from murder. When you said to your brothers, what gain will there be? And likewise, you removed yourself from murder. When Tamar was sentenced to death, Shahida, when he confessed, when you confess, Satka many, she is more righteous than I am. And therefore, Lafikach, Kara Rabatz, when will you crouch? When will you rest? This was fulfilled when Ish when every man under his vine had peace, and so on and so forth. Okay, so now let's look back into the Sicha, the second paragraph in Siv Gimel. We have to understand. So if you look at what Rashi did here, in the second part, under the words B'ni Alisa, Rashi says that this does not just apply to the story of Yosef, but it also applies to the story of Tamar. There are two times that he rose above or removed himself from being embedded in murder. So the Rebbe says it's not understood that Rashi includes the story of Tamar in his second comment under the words Bani Alisa, but not on his parish mitaref on the words from plunder. It would seem that this proves it would seem that the words you have risen are not a continuation of the words above plunder. But the Rebbe says, how can that be? That the whole story of Tamar only applies to B'ni Alisa. Sha'alisa k'elel gam oid aliyah v'stiluk meharigas Tamar. That when it comes to saying that he rose above or he removed himself from being involved in murder, that involves two instances. But the previous word upon which the whole clause is predicated, mitaref, that only applies to Yosef. And the Rebbe says, move on. it's not understood. I'm sorry, if the words you rose above come only after the word from plunder, it's, it's just not logical. It's not plausible. It just doesn't make sense that Rashi would say 
that Benia Lisa refers to two instances in which Yehuda did the same thing, but it, the word that explains what it is that he did only applies to one instance. Can't be. And another thing is not understood. What compels Rashi Mikra, in fact, to throw in the story of Tamar here? Especially because Rashi here does not separate this in two different subjects like the Medrash does. He actually brings them in one flow. He says, You removed yourself from the murder of Yosef by saying, what do we have to gain? What do we stand to gain from killing our brother? And likewise, you did with Tamar. So like in one fell swoop, Rashi gives us both of these things. It's kind of odd. What compels him to say that these words, which seem to be very clearly speaking about Yosef, also apply to Tamar? Now in Dalit, the Rebbe says, says regarding the first question, perhaps we might be able to reconcile this. That it's true, that although he doesn't say it explicitly, he does in fact believe that under the words mitarif, it applies to both scenarios, scenarios, Yosef and Tamar. And the fact that he explicitly delineates it only in a second commentary after the words Bani Alisa, who could levar Tamar. He does this in order to explain how it is that we can infer that it means also Tamar from the word mitarif. And the explanation is as follows. There are two ways in which you can explain the pshat of the words from, from plunder or from plundering prey, you removed yourself, my son. One way would be to say, Aleph would be to say, Bini, the word Bini, comes to modify the word Miteref from the prey. Miteref Bini Yosef Alisa. From my son Yosef, who was the prey, you removed yourself. But another way to understand these three words would be that Bini, that the word Bini, it actually comes to modify the word you removed yourself, which would mean from the prey, from engaging with the prey, from plundering the, the prey, you, my son, Yehuda, remove yourself. In other words, 
it could mean my son Yosef was the prey from which you removed yourself, or it could mean my from the prey, my son Yehuda, you removed yourself. Okay. There are two ways in which this could be understood. Behine. And therefore, im ninkait miterev. If you're going to cite the first understanding that the word bini, my son, is connected to and comes to modify the word teref, pray, meaning that it comes to that it's referring to Yosef. Then you would talk and not be able to say that these words include the story of Tamar, because then the word teref is very specifically only about Yosef. And therefore, before Rashi introduces Tamar into the mix, first, he has to explain what the words B'ni Alisa mean. And to teach us that B'ni belongs to the word Alisa. It comes to modify the word Alisa. It refers to Yehuda. And now the Rebbe didn't ask this question, but he's answering the question that he hopes we would have had based on all the Rashi Sikhs that the Rebbe taught us. The Rebbe taught us over and over that it's axiomatic that the word in the deeper Hamaschel is part of Rashi's parish. And the word beni really didn't have to be here because after because regarding what Rashi's actually, it seems teaching us here that you removed yourself. All he's really explaining is the word Alisa. Alisa literally means you went up. And Rashi's explaining that here it means you removed yourself from that sordid affair, from that negative situation. For this alone, he would not have had to put the word beni in the deep armaschil. But the Rebbe is teaching us, why did he put the word beni in the deep armaschil? Because when you understand that the word Bani modifies Alisa, it's talking about Yehuda, then Rashi could tell us that it's including two things in Yehuda's life, two instances in which he removed himself from would-be murder, one with Yosef and one with Tamar. And this answers the two questions that the Rebbe had about why does Rashi introduce it in the second part and not in the first. Um, can I ask you something? When we're talking sure. about Mitaref, um, is that it, so? That only still only has to do with Yosef, or does it have something to do with Tamar? It has to do with both. But first, Rashi has to explain. He has to how? Prove how does it have something to do with both? Like, what's the translation? I, in the beginning, you were calling it plunder, and then you call it prey. Like, what's the translation of the word? 
because here teref means the prey, but taref taref, when you look earlier, it means you plundered the prey. Does that does that resolve the question, Alisheva? Um, I don't know. I have to think about this. I'm going to have to go over the Sikha afterwards because I'm still not sure where, how, how now, how the second Rashi puts Tamar into the equation of the first word of the Taref. And, and look, how look, to, look, I would have, I'm a little mixed up with that. Okay, no, not, no. Not so important to the Sikha, but. No, 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 it is. Look, look at, look, look at Rashi, okay? Look at Rashi Tess, Mitaref. Yeah. Okay, from that which I suspected you, Yaakov says, when you plundered the prey that was Yosef. Okay, that's where we have both terms to plunder and the word prey. Okay, okay. now, now when, now the Rebbe is trying to explain how does Rashi, from what, what compels him to say, that it's also talking about Tamar. He didn't explain that yet. And also, why does he bring in Tamar in the second instance, but not in the first, right? So let's take a look at the Rashi. Um, hold on, I got myself lost here between all the different Rashis that I, uh, okay. So, On the word mitaref, we just read, doesn't say anything about, about Tamar, just about Yosef. But then Bani Alisa, Silaktas Atmcha you removed yourself once when you said, What game will we have from killing Yosef? And you did it again when you said, many she is more righteous than I. I'm just thinking that the, I'm just thinking that because Rashi put it se- because he separates it as two different phrases, like they're not really connected. So that's why Bani Alisa, that's where why Tamar could come in. Not that she has anything to do with the previous Rashi. It's like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's no, not that no, 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 because the word tariff, the word no. tariff should apply to both, both instances where a person could have been prey because tariff means prey or to or to plunder prey so both yosef and tamar were both vulnerable in, in that vulnerable that same vulnerable position but the rabbi says rashi can't bring tamar in before he signal signals to us that the word bini modifies the word alisa uh, why? Why does the, I, I don't want to take up time on this now, okay. so let's okay. go on. Okay, okay, Beseder. Okay. Okay, and now in the in the in the brackets, the Hakrach Rashi Lefarishabni Babahemshla Lisa. And in fact, what is what compels Rashi to say that it is in fact talking that the word Bani is referring to Yehuda and not to Yosef? If, it, if the puzzle could be understood in both ways, what's the compelling factor for, for Rashi? So the Rebbe says it's, it's logical because Bidvarov Khan, with his words here, 
What was Yaakov seeking to do here? He was seeking to praise Yehuda. And because without the word Bini, we would know that it's referring to Yosef, that Teref pray is referring to Yosef. Because we already found once already regarding him that he's referred to as pray. So saying over here that the word Bini modifies the word Teref would not add any praise of Yehuda, which is the context that Yaakov is speaking within. Ella Adra, but on the contrary, it would only detract from the praise of Yehuda. Why? Because then if you're saying that the word Bani modifies the word Tereb, and you're saying that the plunder was my son Yosef, it might even detract from Yehuda's greatness by saying it was only because it was Yaakov's son, Bini, only because it was Yaakov's son, and it was his brother. That's why he desisted from being engaged in murder. Otherwise, he might have gone along with it. Bini Yehuda Alisa. And therefore Rashi has to tell us, has to teach. It's only plausible and logical that according to the Pshat, within the context of praising Yehuda, the word Bini has to be attached to, it, ha- it modifies the word Alisa. It's talking about the greatness of Yehuda and not about Yosef. But the Rebbe still has one more question. That has to be answered. But it's still not understood, as I've already asked once. It's true that once we understand that the word teref is not specifically speaking about Yosef because the word bini does not modify the word teref, it opens it up to the possibility of also referring to something other than Yosef. For instance, that plundering the prey could also mean the instance of Tamar. But what forces Rashi to say that the word in the Pasuk has to refer to both instances. And especially Tamar that regarding Tamar, we don't find in the Torah that she should be referred to as prey. Yosef, yes, those were the words that were used when they came to tell their father about what had ostensibly happened to him. But it's never used in conjunction with Tamar. So what compels Rashi to say that here the term refers to both? Hey, is Tarif a plural term? Razy, good question, above my pay grade. I don't know. If somebody knows, please, please weigh in. My inclination is to say that pray could be used both in the singular and in the plural, certainly in, in the English language. I don't know enough about the Hebrew language with, with apologies to Mora Nemes. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm going to assume yes, if Rashi tells us it's both. And, then it has to be a term that can be used in plural.
So the Rebbe says, we're going to understand what compels Rashi to be mefarish this way by prefacing something that requires, that's, that, that's, that's a wonder, that's a difficulty that's to understand, something more general. The superior quality of Malchus that was taken from Reuven and was given to Yehuda as clearly <coughs> delineated in Divri Hayamim, where it says that Yehuda prevailed over its brothers and he became a prince. And this is what Rashi, I'm sorry, this is what Yaakov <coughs> means when he says in his blessing <coughs> a young lion is Yehuda. And as Rashi tells us that this refers to the Indian of sovereignty that was given to Yehuda through the agency of David and Shlomim. <coughs> And the reason it was given to Yehuda is said in the bracha itself, <laughs> you rose up, you removed yourself from, from plundering. And like Rashi finishes in his perush, that this refers also to you removing yourself from the murder of Tamar, Kara. Therefore, you crouch like a lion. These are the reasons that you, Yehuda, became king. And the Rebbe says, and it's not understood. Malas Yehuda, the greatness of Yehuda, yes, yes, sir. I'm sorry. And it's not understood. This greatness that Yehuda removed himself from what he was initially um, suspected of, that of, 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 of being involved in Yais's murder, and how did he do this? By saying, of what avail will it be to us? Of what revenue will it be if we kill him? So this quality for which he was granted the melucha, Reuven did the same thing. And the Rebbe is going to say, but even stronger. Kim is super, but Parshas Vayeshev. If you look back in Parshas Vayeshev, Reuven said, He didn't just say, what's going to be the, you know, what profit is there going to be from, from selling him, from killing him? He said, let us not kill uh, a living soul. And even if you want to say that Yehuda did such a great thing that regarding Tamar, he came out and he admitted, she is more righteous than me. Irrespective of the tremendous shame that it put him in. But the same thing, we find the same thing with Ruvain. Sha'asa tshuva al ma shechilalta yitzui Allah. 
he did shuva for profaning his father's couch. And like Rashi tells us in Parshas Vayeshev, regarding Ruvain, he was not present when they when they sold Yosef. Why? He was busy with his sackcloth and with his fasting because he had insinuated himself in the sleeping arrangements of his father. The Adrab and the Rebbe says on the contrary. It's not just that Reuven displayed the same qualities that Yehuda is being lauded for. In both instances, Reuven was the first to say, let's not kill him. And Reuven spent so much of his life doing tshuva. But on the contrary, it's not only that he did the same thing as Yehuda, but he did it in even greater fashion, in deeper fashion than did Yehuda. And the Rebbe is going to explain. Aleph. Masha Yehuda Hitzilis Yosef Misa Hare Loi Hoya Bekavona La Shiva El Aviv Ella Kede Lemachalish Melem. When we say that Yehuda saved Yosef, he didn't do it with the intention of returning Yosef to his father. He, he, he gave them the idea of selling him. Ubifrat. And this is especially noteworthy. Because because he could have, he had the potential to return Yosef to Yaakov. Like Rashi explains, the Shvatim turned to their brother Yehuda, who was always very persuasive and always very charismatic. And they said, If you would have only said, return him to our father, we would have listened to you. But he didn't. And Bey's Rashi teaches, when he said, what will we gain? What he meant was, of what monetary benefit will there be, will it be to us if we kill him? He prevented them from killing Yosef because they would not have gained anything monetarily. Balkain Amar, and therefore he said, Yeah, we have to get rid of him, but let's sell him. <laughs> we'll at least get something out of him. We'll get money. So in other words, the Rebbe is saying, regarding Yehuda, it seems that his motivation was mercenary. <laughs> it was money. Ruuvain wanted to, and he said, he said explicitly, let's return him to our father. Let's not kill him. In contradistinction, Ruuvain asked, the Pasuk tells us, he wanted to save Yosef from the brother's hands in order to return Yosef to his father. So the Rebbe is further deepening the question of why should Yehuda deserve the sovereignty more than Reuven when the reasons for which he's being given this 
seem not only to have been mirrored in Reuven's behavior, but much more pronounced in Reuven's behavior. And yet they're taken away, the, the privilege is taken away from Reuven and given to Yehuda. And the same thing when it has to do with Tamar. By das Yehuda Maisa Tamar. So regarding Yehuda admitting his admission, regarding his involvement with Tamar, Aleph Masinu Raksha Amar Pam Mimeni. Only one time did he say, she's righteous, she's more righteous than me. It wasn't an ongoing thing for years and years and years and years that we find that he did Teshuvah for what he did with Tamar. And Beis V'ikar, and secondly, and mainly, If he wouldn't have acknowledged his part, that would have definitively sent Tamar and the twin fetal in her uterus to death. And so therefore he was forced to admit. So why does this show such a great thing about him? I mean, a murderer, he's not. Masha Enkain in contradistinction, Gabi Ruuvein. But when you look at Ruuvein and how he handled his involvement, his ill advised involvement with his father's couch, Aleph, Hachuva Hisa Boifin Kazesha Kamo Kama Shonim Achrizia Dayan Himshik Basia Sachuva. His chuva was so pronounced and so comprehensive. And was so elongated. Rashi tells us that he wasn't there when they sold Yosef because he was engaged in Tshuva. And this was about nine years after he had moved his father's couch. And he's still in sackcloth and fasting. And Bey's Tshuvasa Haisa Ba'ifen shall and it wasn't something peripheral. Asuk, he was involved. This was his asek. This was his business. He was a full-time Baal Teshuvah. And Gimel, and thirdly, come on, let's remember what Ruvain's sin was in the first place. Hapaula de Bilbel Yitzwe Aviv. What he did by moving around his father's couch Haisa, Kepe, Rish Rashi. After all, like Rashi explains, it was Mipnesha Tava Elboin Imai. He was just trying to stick up for his mother. He was protesting his mother's humiliation. Mitzat Kibodeim. He was doing it out of highest esteem and honor to his mother. Vadavar Avlay Nechshav And it wasn't even considered a sin. How do we know this? Kamesha Hevi Rashi. Rashi teaches us there and take a look by Yishlach Lamed Hechafez. So it says, when Yaakov was on that land, Ruben went and he lay near Bila, his father's concubine. By Yishmai Yisrael, and Yisrael heard about it. The sons of Yaakov were 12. And Rashi says, the last part of Rashi, and the words, 
that Yaakov had 12 sons. The last part of Rashi, Rabbi Seinu Darshu, our sages taught, ba. these words come to teach us, Rashi tells us in full-throated manner that the Pasuk is coming to teach us that Reuven did not sin, that all the sons were righteous. They were all tzadikim. They were all equal. And therefore, even when the Pasuk is telling us about what he did wrong, it's still telling us that he's a Bechor. Where is he called? Look at Rashi. Look at Rashi Chav Gimel in Perak Lamed Hei. Even in the story where it's telling us what he did wrong, he's being referred to as Bechor Yaakov Reuven. Val This is the last paragraph before and so once we explain, we're very, very bewildered. How is it possible that Yehuda should deserve the Malchus more than Reuven when seemingly for the very things that Yehuda did, Reuven did the same, only better. And yet, it's yanked away from Reuven, and it's given to Yehuda. How can this be? Vav, the Yuvanzeh, and we'll understand this, by now looking more closely at the words that we have not analyzed yet, Pochas kamayim al toisar. Because of your behavior that rushed like water, you will not be privy to the additional privileges. Uperish Rashi. And like Rashi says, What caused you, Reuben, to lose these extra distinctions, the Malchus and the Kahuna? Pachas kamayim, hapachas v'habahola, the haste and the instability. Asher miharta lahares kas chavachulam, you hurried to manifest anger. Lekach al toisa al tarbel litel kol hayaseres halalu, and therefore you will not have these extras. You won't take these extra things. And what was the ways in which you acted like rushing waters? And then and Rashi continues and says, it's because of what you did with your fathers that you profaned your father's bread. Bed. Um, Um, so Tipa's question is, why would the Peshat of the Pasuk make Reuven sound worse than he was? The Pasuk makes Reuven sound worse than the explanation of Rashi. Yeah. So I, I don't think I have a comprehensive answer for you, but the de facto answer has always been that 
you know, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Medaktikim Tzadikim Kechut HaSaira, that we often find in the Torah that a tzaddik is, is, um, is judged in a very, very different way than a pedestrian would be. It's kechut ha-sayra, like, like the, the, the breath of a, of a here. In other words, Reuven did something. He did something that was inappropriate. He, he involved himself in the, in the sleeping arrangements, in the, in the arrangements of intimacy regarding his father. For somebody of Reuven's stature, it's considered as if he actually Khalila did something like sleep with, with, with his father's wife. Because he moved his father's bed. So on, on, on his level, this is considered as if he would have done something of that nature. But if there's somebody else who has additional explanation, please help us. Rifki, it's Susan Jaffe speaking. Hi. Um, hi. Good afternoon hi. to you. Good almost evening. It's Good, afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm just thinking that um, how could Ruven have interfered with his father's life to such an extent? It was such a, a very powerful thing to do. Wasn't he just intruding on the privacy of his father? That wasn't a very... Just a thought, that's all. No, 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 it, it, that's, that's exactly the point. And that's why the puzzle makes it sound like he actually slept with Bilhah. Yes, yes, yes. But, but Rashi teaches us that Safkal Saf, what was he trying to do? You could look at it the other way and you could say, you know, it's one thing that his mother had to suffer all her life when, when Rachel was alive, hmm. that she was second to Rachel. But now she should be second to Rachel's handmaiden. What kind of I, humiliation is this for his mother? I understand where he was coming from. I do. But still and all, you know, was it his really his business? He could have approached it in a different way. Well, it clearly I, wasn't. It clearly wasn't. And for this, he is so roundly indicted and does tshuva for so much of his life. Do, do we know for sure that Yaakov very, very explicitly said move Bilha's um, bed to, you know, move my, move my bed to Bilha, you know, was it, maybe he didn't know that Yaakov actually said that, maybe it was just assumed that that, you know, we don't know these things, doesn't say it anywhere. In other words, that, that he thought maybe that, that it just happened. That it was a mistake. It was a mistake. Maybe. Could be. I, I mean, mean, there's a very there's a very deep Indian um, why Yaakov put his his bed there because the chayra. No, of course, of course. But we're talking about we're just we're right. not talking chassidus level. Right. We're not. I'll we're talking pshat. very yeah. very yeah. pshat, very very pshat. Yeah. But even so, but even so, um, Mrs. Jaffe's point, which which the possible hundred percent, hundred percent. But we're trying to understand this in our simple right. language that we really it's not our life we don't understand any of it right okay so now mehem shaklash and rashi move on it's understood from what rashi is explaining shasiba shaloy natal ruven kala yaseris halalo 
that the reason that Ruvain did not get these additional distinctions of the monarchy and the and the priesthood is not actually so much that he moved his father's couch but it was rather the ill-conceived and um, inappropriate anger that accompanied the action that was like rushing water, the instability of, of, of the emotions that surrounded the action. And this instability was, was um, it, 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 it manifested itself in that he moved the couch. But what's really being indicted here is his anger, is his is his inappropriate amount of passion. Vahainu, this means. From the fact that Rashi, that Yaakov begins by, talk, by talking about pochas kamayim. He begins with talking about the rushing water. And he delineates this first and by itself. Rashi learns from this that there are two things for which Reuven is being indicted. There's Habilbul Gufa. There's the fact that he moved the bed around itself. And Bayes, there's the second aspect, that this was done in a way like rushing water with a torrent of anger and emotion. And for each one of these two aspects, for each one of these two strata, there was a separate punishment. For the fact that he rearranged his father's couch, the Bechaira, at least the fact that he that there wouldn't be two shvatim, he wouldn't be reckoned like a, a, there wouldn't be he wouldn't be reckoned like two shvatim, but like one. And Yosef would be reckoned for two. Ephraim and Menashe, he lost that. Like it says in Okay, so we 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 looked at those psukim, we looked at that Rashi and another Rashi that the bechayr was taken from him. At least on some level, the Bechayr was taken from him. Then there's the second aspect. And then because of the anger that rushed like a torrent of water, you will not merit the additional distinctions, Kahuna and Malchus. And now the Rebbe says, and now the Rebbe is going to analyze for us how this is mita connected mita, how this is measure for measure, how there, these two components parallel the Indian of Kahuna and Malchus, and how it's distinctive from the Indian of Bechara. 
What's the difference between kahuna and malchus and the in it of being the firstborn? When you talk about priesthood and you talk about sovereignty, they express themselves regarding other people. In how they affect other people, right? You can't be a sovereign over yourself. And, and who are you going to be a kayan over? In Yanei Shel Melech, what's the whole idea of a king? He goes before the nation when they go to war. And it's and it's also to make sure that all the needs of the uh, of the kingdom are taken care of. And like Rashi tells us on the word Gor, that David Melech, when he was a young man, took B'nai Israel out, he brought them back from war. But Al-Kara Ravatz, and when he was an older person, and he was king, it was a time, and during time, I'm sorry, during time of Shlomo, his son, Ishtach Gafnoi, there was, there was peace in the land. And just like sovereignty is mostly about how it affects other people, or entirely about how it affects other people, the same is true for Kohune. Sheminyane Haikarim, what are the main things about Kahuna? Rashi Kanal, like Rashi taught us in our first Rashi that we started with, Nisias Kapayim, Yisrael. Kahuna is about serving the Jewish people, acting as a conduit of blessing for them. And the Kahanim also taught B'nai Yisrael, Halachas, and the Laws of the Torah, Kamei like it says, in Shaitim, Ubasa Lakaihanim, Vihigidu Lachaz Dabar Hamishpat, Alpiyat Torah, Shayarucha, and you should conduct yourself in accordance with the Torah that they will teach you. So that's regarding Malchus and Kahuna. It's almost entirely, if not entirely, about other people, about the way in which you serve others, the Zulas. When you talk about being the firstborn, that is regarding the person themselves. And because he's the Bechor, and because of the greatness that comes with being a Bechor, he gets to portions and Nachala, etc., etc. But it's more personal. It's it's based on the person itself. And now, once we understand this distinction, we can now apply it to the two categories that the Rebbe put before us. The action of moving the couch of his father and the emotion, the ill-conceived emotion that surrounded that action. When the Torah says, like rushing waters, and Rashi says, You were quick to show your anger. As soon as he felt that, in fact, his father's couch, his primary place should be with Leah, Garam Hadavar Esloi Lakas immediately it caused him to become enraged, al-akhir, to be enraged on somebody else. 
He did it with alacrity. And he immediately went and he changed his father's couch. Again, this is something he did to somebody else. It's his father's couch. He got angry at somebody else. He did an action that impacted somebody else. He and this kind of behavior contravenes the whole paradigm of worrying about somebody else's good. And therefore he was punished in parallel fashion. And therefore, Kahuna and Malchus, which are all about the good of the other, were yanked away from him. Masha Enkin. But in contradistinction, but the actual action of moving around his father's couch. The action itself was because of a personal mistake. He was mistaken in his thought process. In his thought process, he was saying, the concubine of this of my mother's sister should become my mother's tsara, should be like my mother's other wife. That's not fair. It's one thing that when Rachel was alive, she was my mother's, my mother's tsara. So tsara is the, is, is the word that's used for a co-wife. My mother, years ago, read this and, and always cites this, that in Chinese, the, the, um, the figure the 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 image sorry that means problem is two women in one tent and and that's the term that's used in our in in our sources the other wife the co-wife is a tsara but he says but but now that rachel is not here her concubine should be my mother's tsara but rebbe says but but this was okay a mistaken cheshbon in his mind According to his husband, his father's couch belonged in his mother's tent, in Leah's tent. And because this erroneous notion was in his own thought process, it was it, And so he lost something that impacts him and him alone, and that is the Bechaira. And according to this, we can understand something else that is a very important distinction. Now we understand something that Rabbi asked previously, which is why doesn't Rashi say that he lost the Bechaira? Because according to Pshut Mikra, the main part of the Bechaira was not taken away from him. Remember that Rashi that says that there's three things that are part of the Bechaira. Two out of the three remained with Ruvay. 
He would still have the Bechaira in Nachala. He would still have the Bechaira in the Indian of Minyan in how the Shvatim are enumerated. Ruvain would always be enumerated first. But what was taken away from him is that he wouldn't have two Shvatim. That was given to Yaisik. So the Bechaira, he only lost one third. But the Kahuna, the Malchus, he didn't, lose, he didn't lose Nachala if. If Yosef got, if there's Menashe and Ephraim, they got two Nachlas. But it seems that, um, okay, we have to look at Ha'ara 51, which I submit I did not, but it looks like maybe the Rebbe explains it there. Yeah, he's explaining it there, but it's 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 in, it's more involved than I go into now, especially because I am telling you in full trammel fashion. I did okay, not. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But fine, it's there. The Rebbe addresses it. But basically, the Rebbe is a pining, yes, Elishava, that Reuven only lost one third of the Bechera, but he lost the whole Kahuna and the whole Malchus. Because the 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 actual paula what he did that he moved his father's bed from one place to another that was based on a positive reasoning he was trying to stand up for his mother he was protesting his mother's humiliation va'ad kiperish rashi and like rashi tells us we read this which only underscores sipa's question Rashi tells us he remains a tzaddik and leichata, and yet look what the pasuk makes it sound like, which again brings us to this place that a tzaddik is judged by this very, very exacting metric. And Rashi says, And he did such elongated and concentrated tshuva, kamo kamashonim for so many years, therefore only a third of the b'chayr was taken away from him. Now we're in a position that I was going to explain why it was taken away from him and given to Yehuda because Yehuda removed himself from being engaged in murder, in, in plundering prey twice. Although how Reuven conducted himself would seem to be so much more comprehensive and intense and in a higher level than Yehuda. Again, regarding Yosef, it seems to be that it was uh, very pragmatic. It was mercenary. Yehuda was like, what are we going to gain from killing him? <laughs> if we sell him, we'll at least get some assets. And regarding Tamar, yeah, he was forced to say, to admit that she was righteous. Because otherwise, her blood and the blood of her twins would be on his hands. And Reuven seemingly did something so much less problematic, and he did Teshuvah for so many years. Sipa, sorry. Want to sorry, say no, I didn't mean to. I just really thought, quick thought. Maybe 
what we're saying, it's not such a punishment, it's like a consequence because Reuven is like very reactionary and very impulsive. So he can't be in charge of other people, the Malchus and the Kahuna. Is that the direction that we're going in? Well, Rebbe doesn't say that in full-throated manner, but, and, and then Rezi's asking, then how could the Kahuna come from Shevet Levi? They were also indicted. Levi so and I Shimon thought about Rezi's question. And I, I don't know, I'm just off the top of my head, but Levi was protecting Dina, which is like Dina 100% right, Shem 100% bad. But here, Ruvain is protecting Leah against Yaakov. It's not like, it's like reactionary. It's not Yaakov bad, Leah good. It's like a mix. That's I just think my you're thing. right. No, I think you're right, Sepan. Also, maybe, but Derek, I don't know. I, I didn't think of this through, but maybe also that the Shevet Levi redeemed themselves later by not taking part in the in the Cheta Egel, and therefore they went on to become the 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 Shevet from which Kahuna Levia came. Irrespective of the fact that originally um, <clears throat> Yaakov was very upset with with the anger, again the Rambam says that Shechem was was of Misa. They were all of Misa because they uh, the Rambam rules because they didn't have a system a judiciary system, and that's that that was necessary according to the the, um, the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayach, and, and they didn't have that, so they were all Chayev Misa. So it wasn't the act, but rather the anger that surrounded it. But, but when you look at later, the story of Pinchas and how he also became from Kahuna, exactly. Kahuna, right? and also he acted impulsively, but right. So maybe there's some connection to Kahuna that has to do with being of that type of personality. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then should have been that too. So we're still left with a question. Oh, the Rebbe is going to resolve. Sorry. Oh, okay. Rifki, I'm wondering, and maybe the Rebbe brings us out later. I don't know, because we struggle with this, because Ruven is coming from a good place in both cases. And Yehuda, on the surface, you can say it's Sadiq, everything, but if you look on the surface, it doesn't look like they're coming from a good place in both cases the fact that he was with Tamar. But I'm wondering, and that's also in the Bechari, you see in the in the one thing in the Bechari, I'm wondering, and this is what Tipa said, are we discussing leadership skills? Are we discussing leadership here? That, yes, take a look. that, Uven, the, the, that even though Reuven may have been the greater of the two in his action, the leadership here is not, the way he acts is not conducive to leadership. And in these things, you must have leadership. I think Mrs. Jaffe would say spot on, spot on. I'm not saying it with the right uh, accent, but I think that's the, the expression in, in England. Take a look, take a look at this at this next uh, paragraph. So what is the difference? And why did Yehuda end up with Malchus, why was it yanked away from Reuven? Through the actions that Yehuda took regarding Yosef, who would have otherwise ended up as prey, practically speaking, he was the one that saved Yosef. Shari Amiras Yehuda Ma Betza, when he said, What avail will it be to us to kill him? Hitzila as Yosef, Nimachshebes Nahargenu. 
he saved Yosef from the thought that his brothers had to kill him. And this brought to him being taken out of the pit. In the pit, there were snakes and there were scorpions. And in the same way, when he said, she is more righteous than me regarding Tamar, Tamar was saved from being burnt. And when he juxtaposes against Ruben's actions, albeit it's true that his tshuva and his intentions were of a more exalted strain than were Yehudas. It's true, he for himself was greater. But it wasn't in a way that practically effectuated the good, the benefit, and the saving of somebody else. When he said, let's not kill a soul, let's throw him into this pit. And he did this in order to save him and then to bring him back to his father. This tells us about his intentions. It tells us about his thought process. But practically speaking, practically speaking, Yosef was not saved from the danger of starvation. He was saved from them killing him with their hands. And especially that this was a pit that was filled with snakes and scorpions. Even though you could say that Ruvain didn't know that there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. And so it's not his fault. Practically speaking, Yosef was endangered. And in like fashion, when it comes to the chuva that Ruvain did, that we're, we're taught that he was busy <clears throat> with his sackcloth and with fasting because of what he did with his father's couches. And therefore, he wasn't there when they sold Yosef. It's all good and fine regarding Ruvain's personal stature, but has not, it doesn't help anybody else. Yes, Earl Cain, even more on the contrary. If he wasn't busy with his sackcloth and was his fasting, when Yosef was sold, perhaps he would have been in a position to devise a scheme as to how to save Yosef. Just like earlier, because he was the oldest, he was able to convince his brothers that they shouldn't kill him. The safe, safe, and maybe had he been there and not been preoccupied with his personal teshuva, he would have, in fact, been able to return his brother to his father. The And it's specifically because he was, you could almost say, self-absorbed. Although, albeit with 
exalted things, <coughs> fasting and sackcloth, but irrespective of the fact that it was great things that he was involved with, they were personal things he was involved with. And maybe you could even go as far as saying, that's why Ira Mechiras Yosef, that's why Yosef was sold. The Lachain Davka, and therefore it's specifically Miterev Bani Alisa, di Yehuda. It's specifically from the actions that Yehuda took to remove himself from plundering the prey of Yosef, his ya and from plundering Tamar, his Yatsvusoi, his stance, Bipoyel. Practically speaking, avor acher somebody else v'hayda asay, and the way in which he acknowledged his role vis-a-vis Tamar v'shaychas latzalus acher, and this affected the saving of other people. He ha'echachas who ra'uy lamalchus, as Esther said, this proves that he was fitting for the leadership capacity of sovereignty. In contradistinction, Reuven was a very, very, very great tzaddik. But it was, it's, it's something that concerns his persona. And for this, he is fitting to be the Bechar. And based on the above, movement with Pashas Atam Shapirish Rashi, Miterab Bani Alisa, Abbez Hadvarim, Mechiras Yosef, Omasa Tamar. And now, based on this deeper explanation, we're in a position to understand a deeper reason for why Rashi includes on the words Miterab Bani Alisa, although, like said earlier, the term Teref does not appear in conjunction with Tamar earlier in the Chumash, but Rashi includes us here. Because Yaakov Bikesh Lahabio Lahadkish is Mailas Yehuda Pnei Because with these words, now we understand that Yaakov wanted not just to laud Yehuda, but to express and to underscore the greatness of Yehuda over Reuve. Shalachain Gor Aryeh Inin Hamalucha Hauva Miruven Yehuda. And it's, in other words, he's not just saying, Yehuda, you're a great guy. He's saying, Reuven, I'm, I'm sorry, Yehuda, you're a great guy. He's saying, Yehuda, you're greater than Reuven in two ways. And that's why, Gor Arya, you're going to become the one from whom sovereignty will come. And because by Reuven, we have these two instances where his greatness is manifest in parallel scenarios to Yehuda, one having to do with the sale of Yosef and one having to do with, with uh, let's just say, uh, discrepancies regarding intimacy, not discrepancy, but uh, um, blanking on the, on the particular word, but what they both have to do with, with sexual transgressions. Instances. Trans- I, I don't know if I want to use the word transgressions, but um, whatever it is, misstep maybe. And so Rashi, on the, on the deeper level, Rashi's bringing this to signal to us what Yaakov Avinu really means here. Not just how great Yehuda is, but that he's greater than Ruvay. 
And once we understand what Yaakov is doing, it's, it's logical to understand that Yaakov would underscore the greatest of Yehuda in both of these dimensions, which is why Yaakov feels compelled, uh, sorry, which is why Rashi feels compelled to bring both. I don't know if you guys are as blown away as I am, but this is just like <laughs> amazing. Who would ever understand this? Rifki, I, I was always effect, very, very greatly affected by the fact that he moved the bed and the embarrassment to lay and, and all the pain she had been through. But in looking at it again, why he, why he chose to move the bed to where he did um, Yaakov, why Yaakov did that had very, very, is not the focus of any of these discussions. The focus of what I pick up on and why, how I resolve it in my head is, is the fact that he challenged, he had the, I don't know if you want to use audacity, but it, it he, he challenged his father's leadership in Authority. the yeah. And he was acting as if his father had already passed and he had the right to do that as a firstborn. When in fact he he was taking it upon himself earlier than what really and what would that have done to the family had Yaakov permitted that it would bro had broken up the family and created a lot of infighting between the brothers. So it's it, the consequences of what he did are so great by 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 moving that bed. Um, I, I, I think that's the whole focus of it. What it would have done might have happened. I would argue that, that, that even without looking at the political fallout, we learn from this, how intimacy is, is, is exactly that. Mm -hmm. It's something that no one for no reason has a right to insinuate themselves in this. Irrespective of what would have happened with the brothers right. and the family and the infighting. But, but how do you go into the Kedusha Kedusha? Rivki, in defense of Reuven, Susan Jaffe again. In defense of Reuven, he opened the way to Teshuvah for all of us. Thank God he did. Um, and that was something which, in the same way, what Abu Yehuda did had effects, far-reaching effects. So it was like a parallel really going on here. One was working in one direction and the other was working in the other. Just a thought. No, 100%, because we're talking about Sadiqim, Sofkosov. We're yeah. talking about yeah. the greatest Sadiqim. And so even though Ruben did Shuva, but, but Rashi tells us right away he was a Tzaddik, Loichata, he's called the Bechor. Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just Tavai al albaina shal imai. He was just protesting the humiliation of his mother, so we could understand. And yet, at the same time, look at what the pasuk says about him. The only place that we know that he did it out of, out of kas is from the brachas here. Like, so yeah. Why? Why do we even say that it was kas? Like, we wouldn't even know that. Like, why? Like, I find that also interesting. Like it was not no big deal in the pasuk when it happened, and suddenly now it's like he was cast and he did it without thinking, and and suddenly all these but other Sheba, things. How can you argue? 
how can you argue that's no big deal when the puzzle said he slept with her as his 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 father's wife? No, that's not a big deal. I meant the cost and the that he's not he's not stopping. Yaakov didn't stop on that point. Right. He's, he's no. not talking about the actual moving of the bed. He's saying because you did it as in cost and quickly. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, and we have true. a lot of like we said, we see cost and doing things quickly. Um, with Shimon and Levi, we see so many other places where we have that, and here we didn't see it in the puzzle, but here everything is falling out on that. So that's also another interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, again, with Shimon and Levi, with Shimon and Levi, Yaakov underscores again their their anger only at the end of his life, like he does with Reuben. Yeah, but we saw it ourselves. We didn't need Yaakov to tell us it. Right. It was obvious to all of us, but we never thought that. Reuven did this out of cost. I mean, did any anybody ever think of Reuven? Like, you know, you always have your childhood, you know, pictures of the... As you never think of Reuven. You think of Reuven as a, a nice little guy doing his thing, you know, quietly, whatever. You don't think of him doing things without thinking and cost and whatever. You know, you think of, of uh, Yehuda going boom, boom, when Pashas Vayigash, you know, you think of him as being the lion. You know, Reuven's just this nice, you know, nice guy doing his thing moving beds, bringing mandrits to his mother, you know? Yeah. Which is very interesting. He had amazing kibura aim, amazing. All along, you see that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we should learn that from him. <laughs> and his, his zealousness for the hurt feelings of his mother. It's it's very yeah. moving. It's very, very moving. That's what Rashi says, that, that he was protesting the humiliation of his mother. Not a small thing. Maybe we should just finish with um, Sif Tess, and then we'll, we'll, we'll forbring a little bit. Um, but, but, but the Haira here is, the, this whole thing is, is, is really, Haira mizemu venis, the pastor's Rebbe says, the Haira is clear. Adam Yisrael enei rashoi listapig b'yese osuk v'torud lagamri b'shlemus atzmei bovad. A Jewish person has no permission to satisfy himself with being busy and engaged and invested in making himself perfect and complete. But rather, a Jewish person has the responsibility to engage himself in Abbas Yisrael, Pasha doing good things for another person. And even more. Because we learned you, right? That Abbas Yisrael is the whole tire. Tanya, Paraklamid base. And so then, when this Jew, because he's doing Tavis for another Jew, is not in such a high level. He's not completely invested with, with everything he has. He's not all in, in his own shleimus, in his own perfection. But because he's engaging in doing something good for somebody else, he is connected through that action to the whole Torah, and this is very clear. It, um, it sticks out. It's very obvious 
in the ramifications of the behaviors of Reuven and Yehuda. Through the fact that Reuven, because Reuven was engaged and busy with his sackcloth and his fasting, this gave way to the possibility for Yosef to be sold, which led to the Golas Mitzrayim, which is Reish Vishayish Lechala Golias. It's the first and the source and the root of all other exiles. And on the other hand, <coughs> by Yehuda saying those two words, she is more righteous than I am. Although his tshuva did not reach the level of Reuven's, Hineafa became Through his saying these two words, he saved Tamar. He saved her twins. One of the twins was Peretz. From which sprouted forth the sovereignty of the house of David. Until Mashiach, who is called HaPeretz. He's the one that will break through the, the difficulties of the Golos. He is the last redeemer. He will break through all of the, the um, parameters that confine us in Golos, and he will bring the complete and the true Geula, and may it be Bekarav Mamish Mamish. Esther, I know you wanted to say something right before I started, but I just wanted to be attentive to those people who have to leave, so I want to do the last simon. Oh, no, no, that, that's okay. I, I let You said what what you said, how this blew you away, this Gicha. It's not a remarkable, I, I struggled with this, and I think a lot of people struggle with this concept of Uving being blamed when he only meant well. And you, you can't help but apply it to yourself. But here, as you're teaching this, I'm realizing if you're talking about leadership, then what Jacob is doing is setting up the future. It's like passing on the brachas, but now he has to pass it on 12 ways. So it's, it's the leadership now that's being passed on. So now it just has a whole different feel why it had to be Yehuda. And because you can see on Reuven, even when it came to, to Yasef, he says, if I don't bring him back, Binyamin, then you can kill my sons, which was also a lack of leadership. This isn't an act. So it's an interesting thing here. But what is amazing to me, <coughs> I spoke about shlichas. My father said, <coughs> That it would, it's such a different time. By the in the older by the in Russia by the Rabbeim. Are you okay? I have a, a tickle in my in my throat that's driving me crazy, and I ran We're out slamming. of colas, but it's okay. That the old the, the focus was on the quality of a chosid, and today the Rebbe shikt just go out and do. It doesn't matter who or what. But take the leadership into your hands and go and do. My the years ago, my father mentioned it's it's so interesting having seen this in both worlds that he lived in, and that's what the Rebbe spoke about. Be be Yehuda, and I think that's an amazing thing because when it's in leadership, so many times we make choices and people blame us for them. Maybe they weren't the right thing. Maybe, but the Rebbe said doesn't matter. Go out and make and be a leader. 
you need it for someone else and do it. And I think that's, so now the whole picture is different. Maybe that was Yehuda's message, I mean, Yaakov's message. And maybe that is Maish Rabbeinu's message, that the leadership matters overall. In but order I, to think I did want it just, um, <coughs> when I was learning my husband preparing, he told me that there are many sikhs in which the Rebbe says, we always have to have both Reuven and Yehuda. That has to be in Atzmai, and that has to be in Mazulas. There has to be the push-pull between for ourselves and for the other. And, and, and in some places, the Rebbe says, if you don't do for yourself, then you can't be there for the Zulas. So, and, you know, so there's, there's sikhs like this and sikhs like that. In other words, yes, everything you're saying is 100% true. And it's interesting what you're saying. Your father said, my Zaid used to say the same thing, that the whole stress was undoing with the other. And you, okay, so, so you're not, you're not the, you're not the holiest, but, but on the other hand, the Rebbe also underscored that we have to be Reuven at the same time, that there's a place for this and a place for that. But, but it, the whole, the whole Sikha is, is, is mind blowing. And, and you could also understand the Sikha as the Rebbe kind of alluding to himself, how much the Rebbe was, my Sunefesh, what he could have had for himself that he gave away to be the Yehuda for all of us, the whole world. Right. I find it interesting, the last two paragraphs here, because on one hand, it's telling us that um, if Reuven wouldn't have been busy with himself, then he would have prevented Yosef going into Galos. Um, and that's the beginning of all the Galosim. So like strike out for Reuven. And on the other hand, so basically, the gullah started because of Yehuda. And now we're giving Yehuda like a tap Maybe. on his back that because of him, he's bringing Mashiach. Well, Yehuda, you better bring Mashiach. You, you started the gullahs. Of course, this was what we needed to happen. And uh, don't go on and tell us all well, that. We know that. But that, this is what it says here. Here in the Sikha, the no, Rebbe says no, that. No. Say that. He no, says for Uve, not, Ye, not Yehuda. I meant because of what... Reuven, Reuven started the Galos because right. of Reuven wasn't there to stop it. Correct. Finished. Now we go on to Yehuda, who sold and started the Galos. But they, that's not what the uh, what the paragraph says. It goes on and tells us that because of Yehuda and Tamar, so Mashiach's gonna come. Well, good Yehuda, you put us into Galos. You gotta get us out. How did Yehuda put? It? I'm, I'm I'm missing the connection. The Rebbe says Reuven. Through his actions, the gullus started. Yehuda, through his actions, the gullus will come to an end. No, because Yehuda sold. Yehuda sold. He sold Yosef. But only because Yehuda wasn't there to protest. But only because Yehuda did it. But Yehuda did it. All He's the, the brothers that sold did it. it. All the brothers did it. It was his idea. It was his better idea. than to kill him. Better than to kill him. Well. As you want, as you want to say it, but he's the one that he was the one. He could have convinced, he could have told the brothers, let's go home and bring him to father. Even the brothers told him you could have stopped it. Okay. So he, because of him, we went into Gullos and you got us into this mess and Yehuda, you're going to get us out of it. I mean, that first paragraph by Ruben, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty harsh. You know, like you, you can't be at tzaddik in pelts, like the Rebbe says, you know, in, 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 in the Sikhs in, in, in the first part of Barashas. 
You have to be out there and you have to be attentive to what's going on. You can't be in your own world, lost in your own tshuva, in your own maizim tevim, in your own davani barichas, in your own learning chesidus, if the world is burning around you. Elisheva, I like what you just said. You get to goof, and then you get to bring Mashiach. Look at the opportunity the Ebershter gives us. I actually like that very much. We get to sell, and then we get the opportunity in a, such a hidden way, going with Tamar, to actually create based of it. That's amazing. Yeah, but Esther, that didn't apply to Reuven, because what happened to Reuven's tshuva? Not um, so, um, we don't see that here. We don't see the whole thing of that tshuva. So Reuven was Taka the Bihar, who was born with he could have been a leader. He was he was the Bukhar. And he taka did tshuva. What happened to the result of his tshuva? I'm sure that he's on a level of a tzaddik. I'm sure that the, the tshuva had tremendous aliyah for him. You can't say he didn't have enough. We can't say that he doesn't have an effect. Urvin was Urvin. It had tremendous aliyah. But I think that, and, we and it has to talk happen. About for generations, we talk about his punishment here. I mean, this is what we spent so Sikha talking about and learning from it. I, I guess it's hard for me to see this as punishment. I, I, it's hard for me to see terror as punishment because if I lived that way. Okay, okay, yes, yeah, 100%. I, fine, I, see, but... I think that this is a lesson for us that we had to have a Reuven. We had to have a Yehuda. These circumstances had to happen for us to live this life in a Deir the way the Eberster wanted it. You must have a Reuven. It happened to be Reuven. You must have a Yehuda. And maybe it's a good lesson to know that just because somebody is firstborn and they're born in Spitz Chabad and they're in Gesha and who knows what it may be, doesn't mean that you can't be Yehuda and bring Mashiach, just like Rus shows us. Maybe we needed that in this world to understand the level of tzaddik and balchuva, and with the, even the wrong intentions to have the right results. Maybe this all teaches us this lesson because this is the beginning of us as a people. This is really the beginning of Dirk Tachtaydim as Am Yisrael, how, the, how, you, how Yaakov passes it on to his sons. So this all had to happen the way it is. Reuven is Reuven, but you can't lessen Reuven. No, you can't. And we have to be very careful. The Rebbe and other Sikhs, I think this is a very important point to remember. It's not other, other. It's not this or that. It's both. Here, the Rebbe is underscoring the urgency of being attentive to the other. But there are other Sikhs in which the Rebbe says that we have to, again, take care of the Ru'uvein part of us in order to be able to be Yehud. There has to be both. And sometimes, sometimes you have to double down on the Reuven part. It's hard to know when, when what. I think if we come from a level of Avasis role and you see the greatness in both, and you can also see the challenges in both, then it isn't a judgment. It's an appreciation. We can appreciate Reuven for what, who he is and the people that are Reuven, and we can appreciate Yehuda for what they are, and also all the other brothers, who we don't hear as much about. Look at the Rocky. silence of... Sorry, go on. No, okay, sorry. Esther, sorry, sorry, go on. 
I'm so sorry, Esther. I didn't mean to knock it. Rachel, I wanted to say, like, look practically. We're sitting and we're learning now. You wouldn't be here if you had to save somebody's life. I know you well enough. If there was something you had to take care of that 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 you know <clears throat> uh, conflicted with this, you you would have to choose something that you need to do. But when, when that's not the case, then we need then we need to be ruined. We need to nourish ourselves so we can be the Yehuda when when on all the times that we have to be Yehuda. Rich, we can't always be a, a Bechaya. You're born that. Can't change that one. No, but here the Reuven part of us is is the idea of concentrating on the self. Im atzmai. Yes. But, but in the Rebbe's Torah, it's always im atzmai, im azulis. It's not one or the other. It's always both. Also seemingly a major component is the emotional element that Reuven had where he was angry. So it's kind of like, as leadership, we need to make sure that we have control in those areas, that our emotions are kind of in check because that's truly what's putting us in the leadership position as we kind of learned from the Sikha also. Yeah, that's a very important point to bring us back to, yeah. Thank you. I kind, of, I kind of envision like almost like a parent when a kid does something wrong, you react and aggressively or angry or discipline the child strongly as opposed to okay what's the best way to deal with this problem and then you make a choice to discipline the child strongly and you are in control so we like in leadership these are the elements that we have to implement I guess I, I was thinking along the same lines and the other part of that is when Yehuda we learn from Yehuda is that when you do make mistakes as leaders you have to be able to admit them and, and own them so that it becomes a part of you. Absolutely. And from Yehuda, we also learn that sometimes we just actually need to stand up and be aggressive and be strong and be challenged, whatever's going on around us, be willing to put ourselves uh, in that uncomfortable place. But not out of anger. And not out of anger. Right. Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you, everybody, and wishing everybody a cold tov and a very, very good week until we meet again. Thanks.